Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast for the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug to join as we discuss our year-end awards. So, Aaron, let's start off. What is the first award that we like to give out? Yeah, so we like to do Newcomer of the Year. And I know this could be somebody's first show. So when we say Newcomer of the Year, it is not necessarily somebody who is brand new. It's their very first year in the world of professional wrestling. But instead, it's somebody that is on the more mainstream uh, level of professional wrestling. A good example, one of the years Adam Cole received Newcomer of the Year, even though he had been in Ring of Honor for a while, you didn't really see him that much until he got to NXT. And so for this year, though, I'm actually giving to somebody who is brand new, at least to my knowledge, has not really had any matches outside of AEW. And I'm actually going to give it to a woman, and I'm giving it to Jade Cargill. And the reason for that is because... I feel like she has the possibility of being a megastar for AEW. She is somebody who is very interesting, has a unique look, is very green. She's not going to be a technical wrestler, but is somebody who I think does stand out uh, from the pact. All right. So, Doug, what is your newcomer of the year? Um, I I was very entertained by this guy uh, at first. Um, he was my choice. I don't know how much he has been wrestling, uh, but he had a very much Orange Cassidy feel, and that was Danhausen. But my winner is going to be Braun Breaker because I think he has the potential to be the next big thing for WWE. Uh, he has the size. He has the history. And I do believe that this is a true newcomer uh, this year, and he will just continue to dominate with his Steiner mathematics. Well, the numbers don't lie. Um, I agreed with Aaron. I have Jade Cargo. I think she's a breakout in the division. She gives me a very, and I don't say this to be pejorative, a China-type feel. She looks like somebody who could legitimately beat up a decent amount of guys. I think that's a good thing. She obviously looks like a dominant force in the women's division. She's been very protected. So uh, Jade Cargo is my newcomer of the year. And I'm going to go with this guy. Uh, His name's Brian Danielson. He's pretty new. Um Sorry, uh, just just kidding. Uh, Braun Breaker. Uh, I, I have nothing. I mean, realistically, he looks like Rick, um, and for some reason, I just think he has an attitude of Scott. And uh, hopefully, he doesn't get the uh, mentality that uh, Scott is invincible. Um, can't remember who told that one story where they're in a Cadillac and uh, he almost killed them. But, anyways, um, so yeah, uh, Braun Breaker is my newcomer of the year. So, video package of the year or video of the year Aaron, what what are we what are we classifying as videos yeah so for this originally it was dvd of the year and then of course you have blu-ray and you have streaming so we expanded this to be a video of the year so whether it is a documentary about wrestling or if it's a wrestling show itself that just went above and beyond being uh you know just a a normal pay-per-view or normal show and so for me i actually picked um all out uh, from this past uh, August, September, I thought that top to bottom, it, there really wasn't a bad match on that show. There were matches that you're like, ah, it didn't need to be there necessarily. But I thought the matches were just fantastic. You saw CM Punk's return. You saw Adam, Adam Cole and uh, Brian Danielson debut for AEW. I thought it was just absolutely fantastic show. So um, that is my show of the air. Andy, how about you? What did you pick? Well, um, for me, I still go back to one of the series that I think is just probably one of the best right now. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring is just continually putting out great episodes. I think it's probably one of my favorite shows on TV right now, just because of if you know anything about like the history of certain people and then you find out, you know, like uh, the like the plane ride from hell, like that was the infamous one. Uh, But I thought I think they're done really well, and you could tell that fans really care, um, and they ask I think tough questions. So, Dark Side of the Ring, it's still probably my it's it's my video of the year again because of that. 
Yeah, I, I again agreed with um, Aaron. I was debating between All Out and Full Gear, but I kind of gave the tiebreaker to the one that I felt had more pressure, which was All Out. You know, that show had to be good because it was CM Punk's return and they had all the eyes on it. Um, you know, very much like a WrestleMania, right? You have to be great on the biggest stage. And to me, AEW delivered a great pay per view with All Out that, you know, to me was the best show of the year. If I wasn't to pick an actual wrestling event, it would be Dark Side of the Ring, uh, especially the Brian Pillman uh, episodes this year was really good. But All Out being probably one of the best pay-per-views uh, of the year, if not one of the best pay-per-views ever, uh, has to has to win. It's It was top to bottom a great show. All right, so let's let's talk about the fallen grace of the year. So basically, a wrestler who was kind of up there, and he has just fallen um, from grace. So, Doug, who did you pick for this one? I don't think anybody had a quicker fall from grace than Karrion Cross. You went from being the NXT champion to losing to Jeff Hardy on your debut in Raw, and then and, being cut. Yep, and he got a helmet out of it, though. <laughs> Yep. But yeah, so, all right. So, Roger, who do you have for Fallen from Grace? So, this was probably my toughest award to choose this year. Canyon Cross was fourth on my list, and he was quite underutilized. Uh, in any other good year, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, should have won this award. Like, he was. He had a terrible feud. He went into WrestleMania, and I don't know what the heck happened. And he basically just disappeared off the face of the planet. I have him as third. And truth be told, midway through the year, I would have had Velveteen Dream as the very clear winner. This guy went from future star to a guy that we thought would main event WrestleMania to probably out of wrestling. And I don't know if he comes back. You know, I used the Josh Gordon analogy at one point. I don't know if he gets the same forgiveness. So to me, he was going to be the Fallen from Grace two-time winner. But for the first time ever, I didn't pick a wrestler. Because to me, Fallen from Grace signifies what was the best and what fell the lowest. And there is nothing that fell harder than NXT. That used to be must-see TV during the TakeOver era, and now it is not something that I care to watch. I don't think it has the same hype. It doesn't seem to be signing the same type of stars. Look, there are some obviously good talents there, but it is nowhere close to what it was during its heyday, and that is the biggest fall from grace for me. That's a good one, um, for sure. Uh, I, I It's funny, uh, Roger, you mentioned who I picked, which was Bray Wyatt, and it's because he was somebody who— all right, he has some momentum. And then again, WWE just clips it at WrestleMania. He loses in a weird fashion and then is gone from the company. And we haven't seen him since. And that is such a big fall. So, I mean, it, it's really funny because I think all three so far um, have been really good. Andy, how about you? Who would you say has fallen the hardest? Um, You know, I I had to. I picked Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles, but AJ Styles really hasn't fallen from grace. It's just that he, I think he's stuck in mid-card hell uh, more than anything. But Jeff Hardy, realistically, I mean, what's happened to him just over these years, over the last few months, especially, he keeps, I mean, he's going down a path that I'm actually kind of worried about. And the fact that the WWE let him go because of it says something, because they were going to get him help. But so, Jeff Hardy, I'm sorry. RIP. Uh, no, he's still alive. Um, but, uh, so, oh my gosh. All right. So, we have OMG moment of the year. I'm going to start it off. Uh, I, CM Punk returns. I mean, that's that's mine. So I don't think I should have to talk any more about that besides that. So, Roger, who do you have? I don't even know what the argument against CM Punk would be. So I'm going to say CM Punk returns. The one thing I will add on here, and this is something that I appreciate AEW, is that I rewatched it recently. Unlike WWE, which would flood it with catchphrases and hashtags and Michael Cole nonsense. They just let the moment breathe. It was literally just CM Punk coming out and you got to enjoy the music in the crowd. And I loved it. And it was, that's the way a return should be. And it, it did not disappoint. That is my OMG. That might be my OMG moment of the decade. Spoiler alert in seven years. But that was absolutely an unreal moment, especially considering Aaron called CM Punk's return for like, I don't know, seven years at this point. Like every single show it was going to be Punk came back and then he finally did. I think we can just sweep it. I'm, I don't want to speak for Aaron, but it, it's got to be Punk Returns. Yeah, I, that, I mean, the moment that it happened, it was uh, that was the biggest moment. And, you know, we talked about it uh, a couple episodes ago. Uh, luckily, I had the privilege of being able to be there for it. And it was just an absolutely amazing moment. So that one. And like Roger said, honestly, seven years from now, when, you know, we were doing this and we're, we're gray and we're just like, 
I don't know. I mean, hopefully like we won't be uh, too far, um, too far gone where uh, we're not going to be too old at that point in time, but hopefully we'll be able to still do this. And I think that will be the, the front runner for it. We'll be seeing punk. All right. So let's talk about the underrated wrestler of the year. Also known as the Miz award. Um, of course I give it to Miz every year, but I have another person that I'm uh, embarrassed to say this, but I will eat my words. Um, I didn't get Eddie Kingston, but I get him now. So I think that both Miz and Eddie Kingston are both underrated wrestlers this year. The WWE champion Miz, um, who won it this year, is underrated. Yes. He's how long always, did he hold it? it? It doesn't matter how long he hold, held it. He was a no, transitional I'm, I'm champion. Trying, I'm trying to make your point, Andy. He only held it for like eight days or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was a short transitional reign, but he still held it. A lot of guys didn't hold the WWE championship this year. So, Andy, your single person you're, that you're giving this to is Eddie Kingston. Is that correct? Miz and Eddie. I got to give I got to split it. It's a tie because <laughs> no, like and the honorary award goes to the Miz. But okay. yeah, see, with with Eddie Kingston, as much as I don't like him, you know, he's out there. He he does. You know, the crowds get him and he's doing his thing. And as much as I was annoyed by him, I think that he's actually grown on me because of it. And I, I don't re- think anyone else. I think people in AEW realize it, but I think that you'll. I think there's also something more with him, and uh, that they're holding back. So I, th- I think that eventually, I don't know if he'll be a main event, but he'll be up there at some point. So Aaron, is Miz your underrated wrestler? You'd be surprised, but no, he's not. I'm actually picking Bobby Roode, and the reason for that is because he's been stuck in lower mid card tag team hell, and unfortunately, just has not gotten. He he just hasn't moved up. And I feel like he's a former TNA champion, former NXT champion. I'm not saying he should be a world heavyweight champion, but you know, he should be he should be doing a little bit more. He should be an IC champion. He should be at least going for that title. And they're not doing anything with him. So he's my underrated star. All right. So Doug, who do you have? I agree with you, Andy. It's gotta be Eddie Kingston. Um you, you saw the potential that he had when he had his little promo with uh, CM Punk and the fact that that could have been probably one of the best feuds had it been a little bit better built uh, and given a little bit more time. Um, but it just came naturally. And that's what you have in that Eddie Kingston talent. So they're not they're not using him uh, to his full potential. Uh, and I think, you know, it's kind of sad that he's feuding with 2.0 right now. So. Uh, I get it because they want to build up other stars and he's willing to do that. And that's great of Eddie, but I really want to see him contending for the title and just building up great feuds. I, you know, I really like Eddie Kingston. I think that was a great pick. I don't, it's funny because I, I kind of see this award as underrated, underutilized. And I actually think he's utilized quite well in AEW. Like I, I think he's very, very well done. He's a great talker. He's really helped to elevate a guy like Daniel Garcia. Um, this one was another tough one for me because I could probably pick the entire WWE slash NXT roster and I wouldn't be wrong. Um, and I'm not even including guys who were cut. So, you know, people who left like Aleister Black, you know, they they're fine. Uh, Shayna Baszler. Good Lord. Can we please get her a push on a company that cares? It's just painfully sad. And I have her as third. Oscar um, lost the championship at WrestleMania. What happened to her? Where did she go? I, I, I honestly, this is a real question. I, do, I don't know what happened there. And to me, she's still second because my underrated is Keith Lee. That is a guy who felt like he was on the track to superstardom. When we were at Survivor Series in Chicago, he had that great kind of showdown with Roman Reigns at the end of the match. You thought, okay, Vince sees something in him. Then he goes one on with Brock. Brock does an excellent job of putting him over at the Rumble. And you're like, oh, okay, he's got big plans. And then they changed his music. They changed his look. They gave him a stupid name in Bearcat. And then they fired him. Just best thing to happen to him was to leave, but I just don't understand how you can't use a guy like Keith Lee. It blows my mind. Well, speaking of uh, other things that are uh, kind of a disappointment, um, Roger, what would you be your most disappointed uh, wrestler uh, for 2021? I don't. Well, it's disappointment overall, right? Like it's what we are disappointed. That's necessarily wrestler. I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, we did the following from Grace. Uh, biggest disappointment is 
truth be told, I already said it, but it's it's the fact that NXT 1.0 is gone. Um, that is just so unfortunate because, you know, at Wednesday Night Wars was great. It took me back to a time where you had two shows on at the same time, quality level wrestling from both companies. And the moment they got rid of that, I lost all interest in the company. Um, and this was a weird year. So, you know, th- that's obviously my winner. My second one was the Exploding Death Ring um, uh, match from, was it Revolution? or I, I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. what the review was. That was terrible. Like, I hated the match going in. I hated the outcome. Everything about it was stupid. Like, it was just so, so dumb. Um, Finn Balor losing to a rope break as the demon. I, <laughs> that's so inexplicably dumb. There's no reason that that should have ever happened. Um, and then we already talked about Bray Wyatt and Karen Cross. There was a lot of disappointment this year. All A lot, a lot of it from one company. Um, but... Man, we if you go back and listen to our preview shows about how high we were on NXT, some of our favorite moments come from NXT. For it to be scrapped and turned into FCW 2.0 is just unbelievably disappointed. Uh, I agree. Uh, I didn't pick NXT as Fallen from Grace, but I picked them here. It's NXT 2.0 is a huge disappointment. The fact that they had – or they even felt like they had to rebrand and, and change it up when they were doing so good with it. Um, just absolutely disappointed. And I want to, I actually picked a, a couple of wrestlers because I, I thought that they've just been disappointing. Like, they're not underrated and they're not, they're, I don't know, like they're not falling from grace, but I, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. But just Sammy Guevara and Walter as well. Something about them has just been disappointing. Ever since Walter lost the NXT UK title, I just, I just haven't felt. I know I've just been disappointed. And Sammy Guevara, I just know why, but this entire year with him, I just have been like, meh. Yeah, so, but and Aaron, what do you got? Is Walter still with the company? Yes. Uh, in fact, technically, uh, yes. Yeah, he. Um, so I do know that he, him and his wife are no longer together. He is living in the in down in Orlando. If I if I remember if I heard it right, he was living in Orlando as well with with a girlfriend. And I think the girlfriend is a wrestler, but I'm not sure which one. So, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that's what Walter is uh, doing right now. He's just kind of there, but I think he's going to go up to the. I think he's going to be on the main roster just because. He's now, huge. Andy, if you have to pick one, who is your most biggest disappointment? <sighs> I think Walter. Sammy's right there too. That's a thing. All right, we'll go with Walter. Um, <laughs> all right, mine is uh, WWE's booking of the women. And I think that SummerSlam, Becky Lynch returns, beats their champion in like five seconds. That was the biggest disappointment for me. And just to see what they've done since then, after they had the women's revolution and to see them break that glass ceiling only to be relegated to having three minute long matches on a three hour long show. That is a big disappointment for me. All right. So let's talk some industry news. Um, I want to basically something in the world of wrestling that happened and, uh, and it's basically what would be the biggest news. I mean, we could say CM Punk returning is probably the best, but or the number one. But I'm going to finally say it, crowds returning. That that's the big thing with the whole thing with COVID and actually seeing people in and and especially if you go to a show, the people there are they're pumped. Especially if you go to an AEW show opposed to a WWE show, it is different. Um, WWE is more family, and AEW is more hardcore wrestling and. Uh, like even just when we went to the show, it was weird. I bumped into someone, and he actually said, "Oh, my bad, my bad." And if WWE, they would give me a dirty look. But anyways, uh, so uh, crowds finally returning. Um, that that's just the that's that's my favorite thing that's uh, probably happened this year. So, uh, Doug, what do you have? Um, I have a good and a bad uh, for wrestling industry news. Uh, my bad was, and it's just it's. I think a lot of recent uh, aspect to this, but Ring of Honor shutting down um, was huge. That was a staple of of good talent wrestling. Uh, I mean, you can see the current stars that WWE has and that AEW have, and all of them have a start or some kind of connection to Ring of Honor. Uh, so that shutting down was was terrible. Uh, but of the good news, I have just the AEW signs dot dot dot. And just all the things that they've been able to accomplish and, and do. The fact that they got uh, uh, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, um, Ruby Soho. It just seems like every time they bring in somebody, it's it's another big news thing and industry, industry-wide thing. And the potential for them to have so many people 
debuting and and who who are they going to bring next is is just been a a pleasure so that is my my winner so i much like doug i have a a bad or i should say i have a neutral and i have a good um the neutral one i have is is wwe cuts dot 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 and I say that is neutral in the sense of it is very sad that a lot of people lost their jobs, but also there's a flooded market of talent. You know, all of these companies and, you know, obviously Ring of Honor shutting down is a shame. Um, but for companies like NJPW, obviously AEW, Impact, there is so much quality talent out there that WWE had been hoarding for years. And now that they're no longer in hoarding mode, these guys are going to get opportunities on different platforms. With the Forbidden Door, it opens so many possibilities of crossover and matches and things that we want to see. I think there's a lot of opportunity. That's great. Um, but to me, I actually think the biggest news was the way John Moxley left in the middle of a push in the tournament to seek out treatment, and the response was overwhelmingly positive. You know, the wrestling industry is not known for a lot of good things. You know, it wasn't too long ago speaking out caught wrestling and it was a very bad day. There's been a lot of things when it comes to the drug use, but for the first time, it seems like they actually care about the wellness. They're overwhelmingly supportive. You know, I, I absolutely love the way that the wrestlers are like good on you for getting help. And I, I hope Jeff Hardy gets the help he needs. I hope the Usos get the help they need. You know, all of the guys who have the problems get the help that you need. We'll wait. We'll be fine. I would much rather not see Moxley for six months or a year than be talking about, you know, hey, John Moxley passed away at 48 or whenever on one of our shows because we've done this for a long time and we've said a lot of names that I wish we hadn't said. So good on him. Good on the response. I hope that is the standard going forward. Yeah. Uh, and similar to kind of what you guys were saying is for me, it was the wrestling releases, you know, obviously Ring of Honor releasing everybody and WWE releasing just their myriads of talent. I think that that was a very large surprise for the the wrestling world. So that's my industry wrestlers. Were yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's so unreal. for me, that was definitely my my wrestling industry news of the year. Andy, did you give yours already? I forgot. Yeah. Crowds finally returning. Like that, that's like, and you know, like Rogers is actually really good too. Um, but the crowds returning, I think is actually a big deal just because, I mean, we didn't see, you know, like having a crowd there and che- like cheering everyone on that, I think is a big deal. It's a, it's huge deal. So, but now, you know, Andy, I want to move on to, I think your favorite category, cause you always have really good ones with this, but what is the worst few Roman Reigns versus everyone? What? <laughs> so hold on let me defend andy post cesaro the roman reigns feuds have sucked he isn't completely mm-hmm. wrong it has been roman reigns versus whatever returning superstar whether it was john cena or edge or brock lesnar i mean it's been stagnant and stale he his tribal chief run peaked when he alpha pinned edge and daniel bryan Pretty much everything after that has been forgettable. Sands a couple good matches with Brian and a couple good matches with Cesaro. So he's not completely out of left field with that one. It's not the one I would have picked, but it's not the Miz being the wrestler of the year level of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Aaron, what do you have? Uh, So for mine, I think uh, so you went with somebody that probably has high expectations, right? Who's going to be in the top 10 wrestler of the year conversation. I picked two women that are not. Uh, and I picked Eva Marie versus Alexa Bliss. That oh. was a feud. That was a months-long feud that took place. Eva Maria and Alexa Bliss. And they gave a lot of airtime to that. Um, I didn't actually pick uh, any one. I kind of went with categories here. I'm going to go with WWE versus talent. That, I That's mean, on my list, too. Pick, You're not wrong. Yeah. they release so many people and it just it's how how do you sign people how do you keep people this and and i don't i don't uh dislike the people that come out and you know they they say the neutral thing like you know you're adam coles oh i liked it over there just because you you never want to burn a bridge but i i've been absolutely loving all the other wrestlers that come out and just the shoot interviews afterwards like oh wwe sucks they did this they did this this was their idea for me i can't believe you know and it is it's just the wwe hates their talent it just seems like so uh that is my worst feud uh you you know that's honestly my third place and and when you hear things like adam cole's pitch you know about let's have you cut your hair change your name and be a manager for keith lee i mean (laughs) (laughs) 
I, it's mind-bogglingly stupid. Nobody hates wrestling more than the WWE, and I don't. And the wrestlers clearly they they hate them as well. Um, you know, seeing Kyle O'Reilly after that uh, big match he won over Cole, they turned him into Discount Orange Cassidy. I, I, just cool Kyle, like uh, mind-bogglingly stupid, right? And and, and that's third, uh, second place for me, Fiend versus Orton, because that was atrocious. Like that was honestly, you put the final nail in the coffin for Bray Wyatt slash the Fiend and WWE. And I'm pretty sure that was on my list a few years ago when it did it the first time. It didn't get any better. They flipped alignments and it sucked both times. This is one of the rare times I'm gonna really dump on AEW though, because the worst feud in of of the year, and I was so tired of it, and I was so glad when it was done, was easily Pinnacle versus Inner Circle. That sucked. Blood and Guts was awesome. It was a fun match. I really enjoyed the spectacle of MJF pushing Jericho off the top. Everything after that was garbage. I did not enjoy Stadium Stampede. I did not enjoy the five labors of Jericho. I mean, some of it was cool to see, you know, Hooventude and whatever, but no, it was too long. I didn't need to see another Jericho versus MJF match. I definitely didn't need to see two Jericho versus MJF matches. That was, it did very little for everything. The initial moments were great. The pinnacle forming, blood and guts. It dragged on for far too long. No, that that was a miss. That was a real, real miss. And learn from that. Don't ever do that crap again. Inner Circle, I think, has, has run its course. I would be fine with them moving on from that permanently. All right. So we went from worse. Let's talk about the best feud. Um, I have one that I. it's more of a, I like the idea. Uh, Matt Cardona, also known as Zack Ryder, has been, all over the independent circuit. And he actually said something I thought was really interesting. He said, WWE was my developmental, which I thought was hilarious. But anyways, best feud. I'm going to, I'm going to say this because I think of how long this feud has been going on and it ended this year. So I'm going to give it to page and Omega because uh, that's just, that to me is my favorite feud and, and how it got to the final point. So, <laughs> So, um, uh, Aaron, uh, what is your best feud? Yeah, uh, same for me. I think that that probably was the best one because it started in uh, February 2020, you know, when we saw some seeds being sown. I mean, you know, even there was some stuff before then, but I think at that point was when the seeds were sown and it was a year long from there. And then it it kept up, uh, you know, with some highs and lows in between. So, um, yeah, that's mine as well. Uh, I, I am in agreement with you guys. Um, I do think Omega versus Page is the best one. There's a couple other ones I do want to give some shout outs to because I think there were some some fun feuds. Uh, NXT, Grimes' kind of million dollar chase was really fun. I enjoyed that throughout the year. The skits with Ted DiBiase and, you know, you know that that whole thing between that and him finally becoming the million dollar champion by beating LA Knight, really well done. One, one of the really good coherent stories all the way through. Um, another one, honestly, Miro versus the higher power, and I'm not talking Vince McMahon, was really fun. His his promos as the redeemer and him kind of um, having that weakness, even though he was a dominant champion, seeing his neck being something that people targeted and then him having an issue and wondering why he did this to him and then him having to rebuild himself. Great storytelling. Really, really well done. Um, and then also uh, Deeb and Sheeta. Good feud. Really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, women very rarely get a great story besides the main uh, championship. And yet that I, I was I think it should have been on the pay-per-view in full gear instead of the title match because I think it deserved it. It was really good. And I look forward to seeing them wrestle again. Uh, sweet. But for me, Hangman versus Omega and the fact that it was the it's it's long term storytelling uh, at its finest. Um, I mean, Roger and I, I think, got a little bit down on it in the aspect of uh, timing. It it didn't necessarily get the, you know, they should have pulled it a little bit sooner. Uh, But overall, it is long term booking at its finest. It was it was the storyline everybody wanted to hear. It's the storyline everybody saw coming, but at the same time, still enjoyed. So Hangman versus Omega. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the match of the year. So uh, I'll start this off. Uh, My match of the year, there was quite a few. Um, Actually, almost all of them were in AEW. But I had to keep going back to Daniel Bryan and uh, Adam Page for 60 minutes, and it went to a draw. Something about that just, uh, it just, I don't know, put a smile on my face. So I think that's uh, that was my favorite match of the year. So, Roger, what is yours? I have a lot. I mean, I had a top eight, and a lot of them are from AEW. Um, I'm just going to give you the top three. Um, Omega versus Hangman at full gear was really good. 
like you know, culmination of a feud for a year and a half. It should have been an all out. That's probably the only thing I would knock it for. But really good match. Really enjoyed it. I like the story that they told, even with the Bucks coming out and giving him the nod. I thought that was really good. Um, match number two. Thunder Rocha versus Britt Baker at the unsanctioned match. I mean, that mm-hmm. was fantastic. It was early in the year, so I know it got forgotten, but it was really good. Like, I, I think if we had a women's match of the year, I think this would be unquestionably the women's match of the year. This really put Britt on the map and kind of uh, slingshotted her to you know the position that she's been in for most of the year. But I don't know that you're going to beat Lucha Bros versus the Bucks. Like that felt like DIY versus Revival. It had emotion. It had spots. The Bucks were dominant heel champions who just kept finding a way to steal the title. So I was fine. I loved it. It was the highlight of the night for me at All Out, other than the debut. So Lucha Bros versus the Bucks for me in that cage match was everything I wanted and more. Uh, so Andy, I'm actually going to agree with you on a couple of things, which is I'm going to agree that the one I'm picking is also went to a time limit draw, but it's going to be Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. And I thought that that one was absolutely fantastic. That that one was the one I liked the most. The problem with the 60 minute ones, I think, um, and it's not saying that what you picked was wrong or anything is I feel like those, it's like when it gets to 45 minutes, you're like, all right, I know what's going to happen here. You know, like so it, it kind of feels that way with the 60 minute ones. And with the 30 minutes, it was like I, it was like, oh, crap, that's done. Like it's up, you know, and like, you know how you see a movie and you're like, crap, that went really fast. I felt that way about that 30 minute match. So Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega was just it was absolutely fantastic for me. Uh, easily, I'm going to go with uh, Roger on this one. And the fact that it was Lucha versus Bucks in the cage, uh, it was just an extreme, extremely great match. Again, long term story planning at its finest. Uh, very easily, my runner-up for feud of the year is Lucha Brothers versus Bucks. Um, but to to finally have it end like that was was spectacular. Um, I don't care if you call it a spot fest match; it was just amazing and and wonderful stuff or storytelling for a complete and whole match. All right, so we need to t- go over our Heisman style awards. It's for Woman Wrestler of the Year. And it's also for best tag team and wrestler of the year. So, Aaron, let's go ahead. Let's talk about who is. Yeah. So, uh, the, well, I, I think also uh, we should. You know, we have individuals, right? So, um, you know, we do want to go over kind of the Heisman style for the off the mark. What the off the mark is picking for their wrestler, for their women's, their tag team, and the the male wrestler of the year. But we also have our individuals. Um, Andy, I do have a question for you because when you give your Heisman, you gave a different name than what you had put down on the sheet here. So Andy, who's your women's wrestler of the year? Cause you put two, you got to pick one. Okay. Uh, Bianca. Bianca is your woman of the year. Okay. Yeah. Um, everyone okay. else, uh, picked Dr. Dr. Britt, Britt Baker. D D M M D. Yep. She's not, uh, so Andy, you're wrong. So Andy, yes. Oh, on, on I had, shit. in Andy's defense, I had Bianca runner up. So again, he wasn't was, yeah. that yeah. far right. off the mark. And, and point wise, Point wise, uh, the most anyone could get would be 40, right? All four of us would pick it. Uh, the one who got 39 first would get 10. Dr. Pritt Baker got 39. Uh, Bianca Belair got 35. Third, a big drop. Third um, is Charlotte with 21. And then Thunder Rosa also had 21. Aaron, do you mind the score breakdowns? Because for Bianca to have gotten yeah. 35, that means someone, I know Andy gave her a 10 because I would be the, that means someone mm. did not have her very high because I had her second. Uh, so that's another nine points. Yeah. So uh, Andy had her first and then you and Doug both had her second. I had her fourth is what I picked for her. And it's mostly because of what happened <laughs> with, with that. Because like with, with like her booking, the first part of the year was great. You know, like you had her win. And I, I really liked the booking that they had of her until Becky Lynch came back and squashed her in a matter of seconds. And I just for me, it was like she deserves to be high. But it was like that really kind of, you know, it, it, it did it in a little bit for me. So you're saying that six months of quality isn't enough to win the award if you have six months of bad after the fact, right? Like you got to have a full year of consistency. I'm not saying I, I'm not saying it has to be a full year of consistency because there are there is, uh, you know, externalities that could happen uh, where that's not a word where there are there is an a, there are six <laughs> months that take place that are just so great that they are mm. worthy of that award. Mm-hmm. And like Britt Baker, look, you know, to talk about first place, Britt Baker definitely deserved first based on her year she had a tremendous year um absolutely deserve it of uh of getting that 
Um, and as I had mentioned, what now? I said, did she win the Royal Rumble? Britt Baker did not know, but did, did, um, did she win at WrestleMania? No. Okay. So, Aaron, I'm about to put a. Did she have the opportunity clip. though? That's the. Problem. Yeah. I'm going to put a Skip Bayless clip where you argue with yourself because I swear your exact <laughs> argument was if you win the Rumble and win the main event at WrestleMania, both things that Bianca Belair accomplished, she should be, in your mind, the top because that's why you gave oh, it to Becky. She should be very high up there for sure. Uh, and she no, is. Not, not very high up yeah. there. The top. Like you well, literally the, said that makes yeah. you the best. The year that I picked her, I thought that she was the best that year. I don't think that I'm not saying Bianca was but bad you were because wrong. She it was Shayna Baszler's yeah. year. It was Shayna Baszler, clearly, because Shayna Baszler picked put together twelve months of quality work like Britt Baker did, but you took yeah. the six months like Becky Lynch and Bianca did. So why is the argument different now than it was before? All right. And coming in third is Charlotte uh, with twenty one <laughs> points, tied with Thunder Rosa, who also had twenty one points. I didn't um, I, I, like, I didn't yep. put Thunder Rosa on. I, I should have though. Yep, and then Sasha Banks um, came in uh, with 20 points, and then right underneath her was Becky Lynch with 19. Um, there was a, a couple of like kind of surprises, I thought. Um, you know, and then there were ones that weren't picked. Andy, you had Asuka on yours. Um, like Serena Deeb was on there, Kaylee Ray, uh, Natalia, uh, Io Shirai, Mandy Rose. So there were actually a number of women that were picked. In fact, there were 19 women chosen between the two of us, uh, between the four. Sorry, between the four of us. Um, and uh, in years past, uh, we it wasn't that many. In fact, actually, I was looking at last year's and we only had 13 women between the four of us, which is kind of shocking to have that few, which means that like we kept that um, quite tight um, for that. So did Raquel Gonzalez, what did Raquel Gonzalez score? Because I think she won the NXT title this year. Uh, she did. I think you might have been the only one that picked her uh, and she got six points. She, she was uh, tied for 10th. OK, yeah. Was there anyone that got one point? Yes, uh, there there was one person that got one point, which was Mandy Rose, yeah. the, the current NXT Women's Champion. <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> All right, All right. So, so, uh, so everyone picked Britt. I picked uh, Bianca. So uh, Britt is uh, the off the mark uh, woman wrestler of the year. So Wait, before we move, before we move on, Andy, yeah. uh, Aaron, since you have the document up, is um, did Britt Baker score higher than whoever won last year? I'm just curious as to the scores between last year's Heisman uh, voting and this year's Heisman voting. No, so uh, Sasha Banks scored 38, followed by Bailey with 36. Because they had a really great feud, those were the mm. two that um, you know uh, really vied. In fact, actually taking a look at the numbers here, it looks like Sasha Banks got um, first for Doug and I, and then second for you and Andy. Uh, Bailey was your number one, Roger, and then Andy, you had Oscar actually as your number one that year. So Britt has the highest score of any woman over the past two years. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we've only been doing the Heisman now for a couple of years, Heisman style thing, which is, is fun and it's it's neat uh, concept. And we can obviously see kind of how how this progresses um, in the, the coming years. All right. Moving on to the tag team. Uh, this one was interesting. I think that uh, it, interestingly enough, though, Andy, um, you uh, you were in agreement with uh, with everybody, I believe. <laughs> it looks like. Am I correct on that? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Andy, you are in agreement. Uh, and Roger, though, you uh, were the outlier here. You picked the Young Bucks for yours. Yeah. Um, so I it was, I went back and forth. I had the Lucha Bros at one point at one. I had the Young Bucks at one point at one. The, the thing that gave me the edge with the Bucks was that I thought their matches at the beginning with the rain were top tier. You know, their match with Ambrose and Mox I thought was fantastic. They had some really fun matches with the Lucha Brothers, not the Lucha, um, Junk, uh, Jurassic Express. They just, and they like, they hit a stride with their characters that is just, you know, the Bucks as faces are meh, but as the swarmy, I want to punch you in the face type heels, I don't know that there's a tag team who makes you hate them more. Maybe the revival back in the NXT days where you just really wanted to see them get beat. But the Bucks were so good. And the Lucha Brothers were also great. I think, you know, 2022, I wouldn't be surprised if they're tops on my list so far. They haven't had that next few that's really, you know, them and FTR has been good, but not like great yet. Um, and I think going forward, they will be good. But I thought the Young Bucks were a next level. And also, I appreciate their involvement in the main event storyline and how they really added some depth to that. And so that's why I kind of gave them the nod. Uh, and as surprised no one, Lucha Brothers got 39 points, which last year the Young Bucks got. 39 points uh this year the young bucks uh they have 36 points 
uh, last year, like I mentioned, they were the ones with 39. And then uh, moving on down the list, FTR with 25. They were our number two last year. The Usos coming in at number four with 17 points. And then, amazingly enough, RK-Bro is our number five tag team with 15 points. Now, as I had mentioned last year, uh, we didn't have that many tag teams that we were choosing from. In fact, uh, only 13 tag teams made it um, on our list last year. And this year, we had only one less than the women's with 18. The one that I was very surprised at, I was the only one that picked it, but I think that they were actually in my running for underrated, which was Proud and Powerful or Santana and Ortiz, and no one else picked them. Uh, only I did. And I actually had them uh, quite high on the list. So, um, But uh, they were on there. And then uh, there were three teams that only got one point uh, acclaimed, which I didn't have on the mind, which... You know, I probably should have. I think that they're fantastic. I, I love them as a duo. I don't see a Janetti or a, um, uh, you know, HBK. I, I see them both as being like equals, which is great. So keep them as a tag team. Uh, 2.0 somebody had. And then uh, Andy picking Miz and Miz. How can you go wrong? <laughs> How can you seriously go wrong? <laughs> anyway, so those were the, the tag teams. Uh, men's, as you can imagine, we have a number of uh, differences here. In fact, uh, there are 23 different men's that are on here. Surprisingly enough, there's only one that only has one point. So uh, there was a lot of variation with it. And then there was a lot that, uh, you know, somebody only might've gotten one or two points for it. But the clear number one with 35 points uh, was Kenny Omega uh, with 35. Second place uh, was Roman Reigns with 31. And then a pretty big drop off here. Third place is Brian Danielson with 19. Adam Page had 18. And then Darby Allen with 16 points. So I, this one, I would be curious on the rankings because like, I think we all, Kenny Omega, actually, let's start with him. What would the breakdowns? Because Omega, I would have expected him to be in everyone's top two. So I'm quite shocked that he scored, did you say, 35 points? Yep. So at the uh, very so least, Omega- he was not in. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually kind of similar with the women. So uh, Doug and Roger, you guys both had him as your number one. Andy had him as a number two. And I actually put him at number four. Uh, wow. Uh, Why the hate on Omega? And it, yeah, I'm curious on that one, too. And I was so, down on Omega to start the year. I get I, that. And, and it's not hate on him. Uh, you know, I probably should have had him as number three. Uh, I had Brian Danielson as my number one. And I, I went back and forth. Cool with uh so so how him. many months of great work did brian danielson have well well so here's the thing well I, yeah, and he's I only will, wrestled like six months brian danielson only had so many months and then he there's also or daniel so. bryan yeah now daniel bryan main event of wrestlemania which i hear that that's a call there to be number one <laughs> which one did they did he meet the six month qualifier that so, that, that he that he hits because that's all it's needed um, to win the wrestler of the year right? I, and i will say i will say this um <laughs> I don't feel good about picking my wrestler of the year. I, I I didn't think that Kenny Omega was the clear top dog. I thought Brian Danielson had a really good oh. year. I actually think my dark horse, I was very surprised that he, I think was only on one other list, but it was also very high was Darby Allen. I thought Darby Allen had a very, very good year, even though he lost, even though he was not like the main event. Uh, he was in the main event matches, even if it wasn't yeah. the main event, him versus punk was a main event match him and versus MJF. Those were two matches that were heavily featured, and he was my number two. I, I strongly considered him as number one, um, but uh, yeah, he was my number two. And then MJF, which um, I, taking a look at the list, MJF wasn't on anyone else's. That was also a big surprise for me. So, and we talked about this a little bit before. I'm super mm-hmm. high on MJF. He was my number two, I think, last year. MJF as great as he is, it's kind of like um, in baseball. There's a minimum innings pitch that you have to meet threshold-wise before you're eligible for the Cy Young. He doesn't wrestle enough. Like, truth be told, I'm not comfortable saying that despite the fact that he wrestled 15 matches this year, you put on the – unless all 15 of those were just unbelievable classics from like, well, he's got 15 better matches than anybody else in the world, so be it. You, you know, the match with Darby Allen was great. I have Darby as fourth, so I agree with you that Darby was uh, one of the – you know, even his match with Miro felt like a big-time fight. Um, but MJF, he doesn't wrestle enough. Like, it, truth be told. Look, it, and then on top of that, I have a hard time putting you as wrestler of the year when you were in the worst feud, in my opinion, of the year. And half of your year was stuck feuding with a, a Jericho's, di- uh, you know, biker dad group where you're just doing the same crap over and over and over and over. So I'm not shocked that MJF kind of fell off. 
The one that I find weird is so Roman I had third. He scored more points than I thought because I don't see a justification for him being better than Omega or Danielson, just personally, and no one has to defend it. Um, but he was champion for I believe the entire year. Uh main evented, you know, had a, a really good match, I think, with Danielson and Edge. Um Hangman Page, I'm really surprised that he didn't score higher. W- was he top five? Uh, no, so uh, Page for me, uh, he was I think sixth. It looks like for me, uh, Doug you had him in third. Uh, mm-hmm. Roger, you had him at fifth. It looks fifth. like, and then um, Andy is he even on yours. It doesn't look like it. So I didn't, I didn't um, put him on there. I was trying to. Uh, I was looking at other guys. I figured you guys would give Page something. I, I yeah. The whole um, thing with what you said about MJF, by the way, I think that's a bigger deal because. I would consider him just the rest of the year because of his promo skills. But, you know, if he wrestles, what, like seven times in a year, I to me, that's not enough. And they had unless they were special matches. Um, So, yeah, it's the Brock Lesnar thing. I think when Brock shows up, he's fantastic. But you can't wrestle six pay-per-views in a year and tell me the rest of the year. Like it just it's not enough, especially when Kenny Omega is out there wrestling 100 matches a year. And again, I don't need the Ambrose. You don't need to wrestle 200 matches, but you've got to give me enough of a sample size to compare with other people who are putting on, you know, Darby Allen's out there defending the title nine times. Kenny Omega's out there defending, you know, it's it's when you're at the top, those things do come into question when you're talking about tiebreakers and who was better than who um, Miro. I didn't hear any, which I thought he had a really good run this year. I'm surprised he didn't score higher just because I thought his, as the redeemer was fantastic. Um, did I hear any of the NJPW guys? Uh, no, so Bushi, they were, they were Osprey, white. Yeah, they, they were much lower. Uh, I think only you and Doug might've had those guys on there. Uh, mine was definitely more focused on uh, AEW, uh, WWE, you know, NXT, yeah. um, and then uh, I had I had one impact. Moxley ended up being uh, t- it looks like seventh place is what Moxley was with ten points. Kota Ibushi actually tied him with with ten as well. MJF, Adam Cole, and CM Punk all had eight points um, for theirs. Uh, and then Doug, actually amazingly enough, you and I both had tenth uh, overall was the same, which was Moose because I thought he had Yay! a good year. I thought that you know I, I thought, thought he, he had a good year too. I thought he was good. And, you know, I want to give him a shout out. I was like, but, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, I wasn't even thinking about Nero and some unfortunately, some of this is re- recency bias. Like we we do have that um, unless somebody is like really heavily featured very early in the year. Uh, Nero definitely had a very good year and I probably should have had him um, in mine and I could have replaced him, you know, with like, I, I think I had uh, Kevin Owens. Yeah, I had Kevin Owens on mine. And yeah, I probably could have replaced him uh, with Miro. Probably should have. Uh, with that, but I thought Kevin Owens has had a pretty good year uh, with his character and everything. So, uh, you guys, I'll, I'll send you the the link to the spreadsheet so you can take a look. But uh, it is interesting. And looking back on the previous year, it was kind of all over the place. But John Moxley was ended up being our number one with thirty three points. Reigns actually was number two with thirty. Drew McIntyre had twenty four. He wasn't even on the list this year. Omega with twenty three. Rollins with twenty. Cody Rhodes with fifteen. So there was a number of folks that were on there that didn't appear on this one. Uh, and AJ Styles, Keith Lee, uh, Undertaker was on there. Uh, so there was a number that uh, that we did not see on there this year. And what is the highest enough. men's score? Moxley had 33 last so, year. So and what did Omega have this year? 35? 35. So Omega was, was you know, definitely clear and above. You know, last year, uh, it looks like um, Moxley was, he was my number three, Doug's number two, Roger, you're number one, and then Andy had him at number five. So he was clearly, you know, the, the top person, um, for that year. Uh, and then Omega was also obviously very highly, uh, touted for that too. Um, Doug, did you, I feel like you did pick Omega to probably be the rest of the year for 2021. Like, I feel like when we had that discussion, Mm -hmm. you had said coming in. So, uh, I, I feel like as the reigning pick champion and our Oracle for who was going to be the next year's winner, give us. The next 2022, who is going to be the wrestler of the year? Oh, God. So I, I actually, if it wasn't for injury, I had Will Ospreay as my number one this year. Uh, but uh, unlike some people who pick, I pick for the overall for the year thing. And when you hold three titles of three different companies, their their top title, I think that makes you a wrestler of the year. But Will Ospreay, if you look at... Uh, I mean, it's just unfortunate with COVID happening and NJPW just uh, once they lost a lot of their stars to AEW, 
Uh, they've not been as top as they were, but or as exposure, I guess I would say, um, it is not there as much anymore. But Will Ospreay, it, it just just watches matches uh, from last year. I think he has like four or five of the top ten Dave Messler's rankings uh, for 2021. Um, it's do not follow him <laughs> on Twitter though. He's really stupid. No. No, no, no. I'm not going to say that the the wrestler is the smartest person in the world, uh, or or says some of the uh, greatest things or does some of the greatest things. But uh, when when he goes out to perform, uh, you are bound to get a five star match. Uh, and it just seems like every time he does, he he goes out there, he puts his body on the line, and it doesn't matter who he's against, he's going to have a five star match. It's just unfortunate that the ex- exposure for him wasn't wasn't the greatest. Um, if I'm going to predict a wrestler of the year for 2022, though, I'm going to pick this, uh, Brian Danielson. I honestly think he has the shot to, cause he is ending. I, I will, I will agree that he had one of the greatest ends of the years. Uh, his run in AEW has been absolutely phenomenal putting on again. Uh, just like I said about Will Ospreay, he put on a couple top notch matches with uh hangman with Omega uh, even if they don't go to wins, uh, they were top-notch matches. Uh, so I, I can't wait to see what he can do with a full year under his belt and with the potential of getting more forbidden door things. I could see him doing some stuff with New Japan uh, and and just taking over the wrestling scene and having such a great year. Uh, Andy, Aaron, both of you are, I think, that uh, curious. Well, I was going to say EC3, but, you know... Uh... I picked him back in 2005, 15. Um, but I guess the, the person who I think will be the wrestler of the year, is, I I hope it's not Roman, but I just have a feeling it will be. Because Why? I just got a feeling. I Now, uh, AEW, I think, Andy, will have two wrestlers. WWE ended COVID testing. Roman might be gone for a while. All right, so he's, he's, he's yeah. that's right because because all right, it's so dangerous, it's I, really dangerous. I think I think Brian Danielson will probably have the best year. I don't know if he'll be wrestler of the year, but he will have the best year. I think match quality wise, I'm going to go on a limb. I think Darby is going to shine this year, next year in 2022. I think it's going to be the year of the Darby. So Darby Allen, I think he will. It'll it'll he'll be number one wrestler, but I think. Brian Danielson will be in an argument as well. What do you think, Aaron? I think that's a good one. Uh, I am going to say MJF. I'm going to, I think that he's going to have his feud. So like it's been going on right now. It, he will have a match with CM Punk probably at revolution is my guess. And I could very much see MJF winning. I, you know, like and to give Punk his first loss, that would be huge. And then to give, to take the title from Adam page, potentially um, that would be huge. And so I think that MJF has the, a very high likelihood. Brian Danielson, I think you've the- stated two out of the four matches that he'll have next year. What are the other two <laughs> matches? that <he'll> have? <laughs> Brian Danielson uh, will be one. And then, um, you know, maybe Roman Reigns, you never know. Um, but I, I think MJF has a, a high likelihood of, of being wrestler of the year next year. And I mean, yeah, he, he won't have that many matches, uh, you know, because that's what they do. They keep him as an attraction. Uh, you know, just like they, you know, have done like WWE has done with Lesnar or they've done, you know, with other uh, people in the past. And so, um, yeah, I think that he has a high likelihood. I agree with Aaron on that one, by the way. I think it's MJF. Uh, I, I think he's got the highest ceiling. I think he will struggle to probably meet the, you know, is he going to wrestle enough or is he going to just have to put out five or six all time classics? Because, yeah, if he puts out, you know, six four and a half to five star matches. Eh, okay, fine. Like, I don't really care if you don't wrestle that much. Um, Punk feud will be, is already been fun. I think the Wardlow feud that they're teasing will be really good. I do have him as the next AEW champion. I think his feud with Paige will be really good. I, I think he's got really high potential. Here's the one thing I think is weird. There is nobody on the WWE or NXT roster that I think even has a chance. They have fallen so far with their creative and their roster talent. <laughs> that I really will be shocked if any one of them is even in the discussion. Um, you know, Roman had the year long title reign. I don't know that that continues for another year and I don't see any, you know, Seth Rollins obviously is talented, but I, their creative is so bad. 
and they, they're going to cut more people. We know that. I, it's very weird to be talking about how we're now at the point where NXT won't even be in the discussion. There, there's nobody from their top, you know, their list. And it, it's a very, very new era. You could even say that right now AEW is the undisputed kings of the wrestling industry right now. Mm-hmm. All right, and before we go, there's something that we sometimes talk about. Uh, we have a Pick'ems League that we do for uh, WWE and AEW shows. Um, so I just uh, want to go talk to the person who handles that. Uh, Doug, uh, can you just tell us who won this year? So there were, uh, out of the possible 145 matches that we chose to pick from, I'm not saying that there were 145 matches, but uh, you know how WWE loves to change the card around and everything like that. So some of the matches did go on. Some of the matches don't go on. Uh, but of the ones that we picked, there were 145. Um, coming in third place with 104, which is respectable, Andy, you are the, the fourth place winner. Congratulations. Oh, you, you have last aw. pick in our, in our future uh, fantasy draft. Oh, but I do have to ask the question, Andy, how do tiebreakers work? Because yeah. we have a tie for second place. Oh, really? With how many picks? We have a tie. Thanks to war games. Roger got five. Correct. Aaron got two. Correct. As he was trying to catch up and beat me. So with one Oh five, Aaron and Roger got second place, leaving your winner with 109 picks out of 145. Me. All and right, what's Doug. the title? What's the title situations? Because that is, I know you've won before. So uh, I have all the way back from 2017 uh, was the first year we did it. And Roger, you won that year. Uh, you started us off strong. Uh, the next year I had won. Uh, 2019, I had won. And then. Uh, last year, Roger, you won, and now I am back to uh, winning again. So uh, easy prediction for next year is that I will be the returning champion, as it seems to go, Roger, Doug, Doug, Roger, Doug, Doug. It seems accurate. Yep. Yeah, Andy, yep. we do need a ruling, though. How do tiebreakers work? Well, uh, it's whoever holds the off-the-mark tag team champion, or whoever's a part of that, they uh, it breaks it that way, so... Excellent. Yep. <laughs> so Doug will have first pick. I will have second pick. Uh, for those who are not aware, we do a draft. We did this, what, four or five years ago, where we did a draft of everybody yeah. available in wrestling, which the, the wrestling landscape has changed. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, I was looking at some of the picks. You know, guys like uh, Adam Cole weren't nearly as high as they probably would be right now. I think was Daniel Bryson. Uh, I think he was retired still when we did that draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, CM Punk was retired when we did that draft. Both of them would likely be drafted. Um, some people are gone. I doubt anyone's taking the Undertaker this time. Um, you know, and, and it's NXT is gone. You so you know AEW has arrived. You know, it's a very very different world. But we draft as if we're creating a promotion. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see who we pick. Uh, I have a a very very spoiler guess on who Doug's number one pick is. Um, just going to go out on a limb here, say that he's an angel, maybe with a wing or two, maybe just one, actually, in fact, uh, you know, uh, and just, just saying either that, or, you know, it's going to be a rainmaker. It's going to be one of those two spoiler alert. And that's not a prediction. Um, <laughs> anything other than that, you can have my money, but it, it's fun. It'll, it'll be, it'll be a good show. It's always fun to see how we differ the, the you know, I know uh, Aaron, you're a very big fan of tag team wrestling. I think you very go very much go heavy in tag team. Um, Doug's got a very high uh, Japan influence. So you, usually his card is stacked with the people from NJPW. I think me and Andy are a little bit more traditional in the wrestling style. Um, I think I usually go heavier on the women. Um, Andy typically goes talkers. So his, he usually has a lot of good mic guys, the Miz being of course uh, up there. And, and the other thing I look for, and this sounds really stupid, but I like fast finishing moves. So I don't like the ones like I don't even like the power bomb isn't one. I still think probably the best finisher move finishing move, and I still use it in the games is uh, just when uh, when Hero throws his elbow. I I think there's something about like the quick like, and he's done, and that, and that's why whenever people have like those quick strikes like that just gets me. So like a stone cold stunner where yeah, like where it's real fast. Like I think when I think when you can pop like like an RKO or a. A diamond cutter. I mean, that's that's the perfect example. I like guys like that where they can just it's then it's over in an instant. And then like because I think that's to me, it's like a shock thing. You're like, oh, my gosh, 
Like that was fast. So, and you don't think the one winged angel is, <laughs> is a fast? <laughs> it's no sweet chin music. That, yeah, like now that's that, that is the longest setup of a of a finisher. But how many people have kicked uh, out of it? I don't know. The people's elbows are pretty long setup. That's. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to get a longer I, setup I, I than the really consider elbow. that a finisher. CM Punk would it's disagree. Just, I, I I know I know that. But at the same time, that is not a true finisher. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Yes. <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. So that's the time we have for this special of the year and awards for 2021. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow the show at Off the Mark 86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and editing the podcast. And I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Caven, Aaron Hughes, I'm Andrew Hughes. And until next time, we'll see you in the ring.